you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. NFL podcast have terrible English accents. Disagree. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes: Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Wednesday show update. What's that smile, Mark? You got a smile on your face. I mean, it's hump day. You are. See. Once we get through this production, a few other. Circus acts. We are on to the end of the week. Circus acts. You know, a week, um, a week from tomorrow, Wes is on a plane to Tybee. A week from tonight. Woo! Oofa. After the Shield wins next week. Yep. Keisha, you. Keisha and I hop on a plane and get out of here. Incredible dedication to the diamond. Um, and on Friday's show, we're going to have a little wedding spectacular connected to the Chris and Lakeisha nuptials coming up. Um, next weekend. So we're all very excited for that. Big show today. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing great. The beard is still here. It's looking good. It's happening. It's It's gone past the point where it's a lazy thing and it's now actually a oh, thing. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it, there's some pruning going on. It's there. happening. Uh, not really. Just a li- yeah, a little bit in the neck. It's moved into like movie role beard. Like you needed to, <laughs> you needed it for a role and so you grew it. I and che- it looks great. I checked with Keisha, you know, she she thought it would like mess up the wedding pictures. Uh, mm, and, that's and she she said no. She she liked it, and yeah, this this Will Brinson character got after me on Twitter, thinking it was like some sort of savvy move that like I was asking her, knowing she would say yes to like seem like I was a good guy, but that's not true. If Action Jackson <laughs> told me to shave it, I'd shave it t- tomorrow. There, uh, She's Hen- the boss Henry Hodgson behind the glass. We're gonna get to him in a couple minutes. Um, about an overseas situation, which he is an expert in all matters overseas as a England native. But since you're here and you have a headset on, your thoughts on Greg's beard? I like <laughs> it. I, I'd, I'd seen pictures of it, but um, it makes Greg, Greg look kind of older and wiser, mm. um, which was much older, needed. at least. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so a lot to get to today. Chris Wessling wrote a banger. 
top 10 NFL offenses. Um, you could get that at NFL.com slash wrestling, and we're going to kind of go through the list. That's fun. Also, our old buddy, are you kidding me? Connor Orr, who wrote a banger for Sports Illustrated um, and the Monday morning quarterback gang, uh, the decline of the Alliance of American Football. So we'll get Connor on the horn. Uh, but but before that, we'll do news. But before that, I wanted to. It's been a while. Uh, it's time for me. And you know I use you guys as a, as really a think, think tank with this. Some NFL slogans I'm going to pitch. Mm. New NFL slogans. New NFL slogan ideas. Dan's got new slogan ideas. I bet they're good. <laughs> I hope you're paying her at this point. The, her, the great Sidney Carlson, lost it. I'd assume they know who on Mount Rushmore. Are you absolutely? Paying her? I I am He's... attempting to get her paid. <laughs> what the? F- as of like <laughs> seriously, as of after after you asked, now he is now starting no, the process. I mean, have your belly last, but yes, I got her paid previously. I told her that I will get her paid for this. There is a paperwork issue. If you really want to, since we're talking about it, um, I managed to get her paid for the last um, song she did, and she never did the paperwork. So it's like I got I got to help her along to get. She's her. doing it for the love of. But the, I'm working the art with her to get her the compensation because well, what a jingle! She does great work. Lost it. All right, here we go. Uh, again, these are pitches for the NFL uh, launching slogans that will grow the game. First, we'll start skin cells. No doubt about that. So we lean into it, Greg. Skin cells? Skin cells. Oh. I thought you meant like, you know, the cells, you know, like cancer skin cells. cells. Oh. Yeah, I thought that so was the CEO. This one's about the human body, like the okay. the real DNA stuff. No, the, you, know, you know, sex cells. I was trying to avoid the, the three-letter word, but anyway, mm. here we go. The NFL, get a load of the bodies on these hunks. Yes, no, maybe so. Be honest. I don't think that's bad because – you know, one of the things that separates the NFL is its popularity across gender. You know, I feel like it casts a really wide net with everyone and a, and a wide variety of bodies. Right. Plus, I mean, I'm, whatever you're into, uh, you would find someone to your liking, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And men, too. I mean, no one talks about the male form more than Dan Hansis. So a lot of fans out there. It covers uh, a whole mess of demographics. All right. I know Wes likes it. I got no comment on that one. All right. So you always got to keep an eye on the next generation. So, and I'm not talking about Generation X or the millennials or the, the real young kids. So um, how about the youth? Hey, kids, watch football every Sunday or we're taking your dad. I find that fear is a very strong motivator in the young ones. It feels a little heavy-handed and slightly Machiavellian for kids. Also, like, exceptionally cruel for kids who've already lost their father. Right. Some kids don't have – the father is not at home, so it's adds to the mystery of it, where It doesn't hit everybody. Is. Right. But if I just said, you know, your loved one, it maybe doesn't land with anybody. You're basically hitting intact family structures where it counts. Not sure we need to play hardball with four-year-olds. Yeah, you'll have kids one day. You'll understand. <laughs> they, they'll be fans for life. Finally, overseas, a massive. Still, we've done so much great work overseas, the NFL, but still a largely untapped market, huge potential. We welcome officially Henry Hodgson, vice president of international here at NFL Media. You can see the Hollywood sign from his office. What's up, Henry? 
Hi, Dan. I tell you what, that your first slogan there reminds me, when I very first started working for the NFL, I worked for a team called the London Monarchs in NFL Europe. Yes. And they had a slogan, I'm really not kidding, which was, come and watch 52 men bashing their helmets. <laughs> which um, it, the London Monarchs closed down shortly after that. Mm. Uh, it wasn't a successful slogan. Huh. Yeah. You know, it was a little wordy. Yeah. You know, a mouthful there. All right, so this is what I was thinking for this one, Henry. And, and since you are the VP of International, you let me know. This is kind of a Mad Libs, hey, insert country here, quit, and then a disparaging play on words connected to that country's most popular sport, something, something NFL. Example, hey, England, England, quit flopping on the pitch. Come play some real football. How about that? No. How about, hey, India, <laughs> drop the cricket bat. Pick up a pigskin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's like 300 years of history there that, that you're asking them to essentially dispose of for, for your game. Time for change. Yeah, time for change. Hey, Japan, enough of the sumo wrestling. Greg? <laughs> Greg. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't think that, I mean, if, no, I don't, I, I would just uh, flat no to all of those. Really? Yeah. I thought one of those would connect. I, I think I like the anti-flopping message. That's the anti-flopping one. I can I can kind of get behind, but I'm not sure you have to say like everyone mm. drop it now. Now get down with this instead. All right, maybe you have a more nuanced take on how to grow the game. <laughs> um, speaking of which, why don't you get a plug in here, Mark uh, Henry? Because there's something big going on over in London this September. The NFL Academy. Tell us about it. Yeah, that's right. So you guys if you you know you've well this year hopefully you're going to go to a game in fact oh look at that that's nice do we know that i don't know if that for sure but you've you've seen their yeah let's let's make that happen first of all but you've seen their games in london you guys have been to events in london as well you guys with with i think the star attraction last year for the nfl kickoff party in london i thought so and so the NFL has just launched an academy in London, and the, the goal is to get more British players, ultimately, or, or international players into the NFL by getting kids who are really into football kids. at a young age. That's what I'm talking kids, about. Kids at a young age who, who are into football to get them playing and to be part of this academy, which has been launched in, in partnership with Tottenham, who, as you guys know, and hopefully this will be the game that we get you guys to, mm. Tottenham now has a, an NFL stadium, Tottenham Hotspur, and, and, and the NFL are going to share a stadium. And so they're going to have this academy and bring kids in from the age of 16 to 19. And the, a lot of uh, soccer clubs in, in the UK will have academies which teach the sport but then also continue their education as well so the goal is kind of give them this education character education and then football on top of it and ultimately to to get some um some british players into the nfl how about the idea that england a proud soccer heritage Mm -hmm. football heritage haven't won the world cup in many 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 years the idea of you're now going to siphon some of your best talent to a different football that's that backfire uh, no, I think it could. I think it could be. Pl- In fact, it might help more than your slogan. That might be the thing that that, um, I that mean- builds the NFL there. And Wes has talked about some of the the rugby players that have recently trans. Christian Wade is with the Bills. There's a couple other guys. Guy called Alex Gray with the Falcons. So there's a there's a pipeline. But we're getting players right now who are like in their twenties. Much easier to start playing football and have a chance sure. if you are get them at sixteen and get then they there. get play college football. So that's that's really the pipeline. Works for my career. Well, won't yeah. J- like the guys like Jay. Especially, that'll have an impact on right. kids seeing seeing him. Exactly. Which, speaking of which, he was out there, you know, promoting this. Yep. There's a bunch of. We guys. gotta get him back in the NFL. 
some team out that there. Will come, come up on. a little bit later in today's show. There you go. I think he'll be back pretty soon. But yeah, there's a bunch of actually. There's some really good Patrick Mahomes, OBJ, a couple other guys are, are joining in to help promote it as well. So good it's job. exciting, Henry. And that's a direct reflection of the work you're doing getting those big fish. I, like, I think of it as we. What percentage would you say, because there's obviously, there has been significant growth in terms of the international players. It's not like yep. an explosion, but it's significant over the last five years. Like, how much percentage credit do you take for that? Um, I mean, it's as I said, it's a, it's a team effort. Everyone is involved. And, and the, the cool thing is that the players are one Just part of it, but number. then, then At least all of like the fans who get to watch these guys. And a, number. Like, a number to Greg. You can't plug anymore. Now you have to just give us a number of that how That you're you personally are. responsible for the growth. Percent. And this includes um, um, Mobo, Maurice Borges. I would, say, I would say less than the percentage of, of G's in your name. <laughs> wow. Well, that's anywhere below 60. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. All right. And speaking of MOBO, next time we do a MOBO update, maybe you'll sit in again, Harry? You know what? Maybe I'll bring MOBO with me. Ooh. Then you can look him in the eye as you, as you uh, update. <laughs> so you always think progress. it's a negative thing. It's not critical. We're trying to. We, if you can set it up, we would love to have him on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Henry, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. You want to get any other plugs in there? No, no, no I just, you used I them just, up. No, no, for me, it's a thrill just to be my favorite podcast out there. Oh. And now I get to be and, and see my friends hard at work and Erica as well. Love you, buddy. Also a friend. Let's get some food. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Friday. Friday. Actually, Greg and I are having lunch on Friday. You guys are wel welcome to join okay. if you'd like to. Is that okay, Greg? Please. I, I assumed it's a, it's yeah. the Friday afternoon lunch. Even you, Mark. All right. Well, thank you. Wow. <laughs> well, no, I know you don't like food, so it could, we could no, just call I just, it. A, I don't have it delivered it to my office the we way that you do. So oh, yeah. it's, you know, so I, I have to go out part. and get it on I my own. About so. that part. <laughs> All right. Let's do some news. Bye, Hank. Bye. <laughs> I'm not throwing any shade on Larry Fitzgerald. I'm just he, simply saying what we're saying about Dez as a talent. Remember, Larry Fitzgerald had to be talked out of retirement. Am I correct? Right. But Larry Fitzgerald is like a Vince Carter. He might make the Hall of Fame because of the longevity and the way he was willing to keep playing without being an MVP kind of level guy anymore. Shut up! The best part, and that was from first take, um, Max Kellerman, uh, one of the army of people over there, apparently don't know anything about football, but they talk about it. Um, throwing out there that Larry Fitzgerald would only make the the Hall of Fame because of his what what's the number what is the term that we use for that uh, for numbers that you just build over time oh compiler as a compiler Larry Fitzgerald is a take. compiler well that's hey, here, a bad yeah. take also the take uh, from Steve Smith who likes to make things up that Larry Fitzgerald had to be talked out of retirement Steve it's Smith just, or uh, Stephen A. Stephen A. A. Smith. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's, well, it it's still Smith. technically Steve Smith. Yeah, Stephen A. Wrong. Like, apologies. Where, his friends where does he get this information? He just makes it up. I mean, he, he newsflash, all generalist sports programming is garbage. Like every show where, where the hosts have to try to pretend like they know something about the NBA, baseball, the NHL, soccer, everything, and have an opinion on it, you know more than them about your favorite sports. Like, So why listen to this? I should have a sneaky shot at Mike and the Mad Dog, who uh, I would consider generalists. I, I would agree. I mean, no, maybe you know what? Prime, they no. knew their They would admit sports. that they were not good about certain they, things. There were certain had sports certain you things. had to tune out to. My, like Mike knew baseball, football, basketball, and then the horses. He loved but Mad Dog tennis, Mad Dog Tennis, Scott. baseball. Yeah, yeah I, that's... A little different, but here's the thing, though. Even now, like in my in their best sports, they're gonna be bad uh, compared to like someone that covers the sport year round. Um, all right, let's get into the news. Larry Fitzgerald's the first ballot Hall of Famer. That's of course, settled. on uh, merit. Uh, let's get into the news. By the way, this is uh, <laughs> we're taping this Wednesday morning. 
Tuesday at midnight Eastern was the deadline uh, where if a free agent was signed, um, uh, the team that he was leaving could get a compensatory pick. That no longer is the case. So that opens up, um, well, hypothetically, the floodgates for all these notable veterans uh, to get signed. As of right now, I don't think anybody's come off the board. Not a floodgate. I will. Moment. Let me throw some names oh, out there. Well, I think we're going to mention him, but yeah. you would be one. Um, but that came before oh, that the no. official signing hadn't come yet. Gotcha. Here are some remaining free agents uh, that are name brands on some level uh, that don't have jobs right now. Jay Ajay, as we just brought up, Michael Crabtree, Corey Legit, and Dominican Sue, Ziggy Ansa, Mo Wilkerson, Derek Morgan. Jamie Collins, Mo Claiborne, Eric Berry. Hmm. Um, those are all guys that can potentially help teams. Some of those guys might not have anything in the tank. They might be just name brands. Uh, I didn't even mention Des Bryant. Uh, but um, anybody you guys want to connect a player to a team that makes sense? Maybe a prediction? And Dominican Sue and Titans make some sense. They drafted Jeffrey Simmons in the first round because he's coming off an ACL injury. He might not be ready for week one. And the Titans defensive line coach, Terrell Williams, was Sue's position coach in Miami for three years. So there could be a fit there. And Cam Wake there. So you just rebuild yes. that monstrous Dolphins defense from a few years ago. I think Eric Berry's had um, a tough realization this offseason in terms of the contract that he thought he might get in free agency. And so he's going to have to accept something at some point. The Cowboys are the only team that have showed interest in him. I know they signed Georgia Loca. That should not prevent them uh, from maybe – signing Barry in the future. And I would think they'll still give him a little extra guap than any other team out there. I mean, the, what about John Dorsey with Jabril Peppers out the door? They haven't really filled that. But they have a, they have some veterans there. But There's, Those are guys – like Ziggy Ansah can help a team if he's remotely healthy. Jamie Collins can help a team. He's not, like, going to change your roster, but he can play snaps still. Maybe the Chiefs. They've got these lumbering linebackers like Anthony Hitchens and Reggie Ragland. You need a little more athleticism in that unit. Morris Claiborne uh, could definitely help the Jets yeah. if they choose to bring him back. He's 29 now. He's always battling, inj- battling injuries, and he's not healthy, but they are very thin at cornerback. And remember, they gave Tremaine Johnson a ton of money last offseason, and he was a bust. To just assume that he will get back on track would not be wise, so they should have some this, depth there. This, by the way, is a, is a thing – for almost the first time, this post-compensatory pick deadline. This has existed for years, but no one was ever paying attention right. to it before. And NFL teams weren't really, other than the Ravens and the Patriots and a few others, weren't smart enough uh, to really pay attention to it before. And now I think it's become a thing where these players are better than the normal crop that think, are, are and out think, there. And like the comp pick deal started to get written about, and there were <laughs> features written about how Baltimore and New England dealt with it differently. Patriots and then other doing teams it again. They're up. getting two more thirds next year, I think. It's a good way to do it. Uh, moving on, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is having another um, off-the-field issue that could really haunt him. This time it was a single-car accident that he was involved with in Florida. It's led to a neck injury, and uh, Tom Pelissero of NFL Network uh, reported on Tuesday he'll get a second opinion on the injury, uh, but it doesn't sound great. He's seeing a bunch of doctors and if he does need surgery, and we're hearing um, talk out there that this is going to be a potential extended absence, it would likely lead to a five- to six-month recovery. Could knock him out for most of the 2019 season. Um, there is some hope, Pelissero reports, that he would not require surgery and could be ready for week one, but that potentially uh, could be overly optimistic. We'll have to see how it plays out. Wes, how big a loss would that be for a Bucks team trying to get on track? 
huge. 12 and a half sacks last year, and you look behind him, Shaq Barrett, Carl Nassib, even a guy like Noah Spence who fell out of favor with the last coaching staff. You wonder where that pass rush is going to come from. Those guys might be good for six or seven sacks apiece, but not double digits. And I think you wonder if will they go through with cutting Gerald McCoy if they also mm. lose Jason Pierre-Paul. Yeah, I this injury really made me think about his star-crossed career, of course, losing you know his his finger in, in the firecracker accident. If you had told me after 2011, yeah, if you had told me after 2011 when he was a first-team All-Pro and to me was maybe the best player on the on a Super Bowl champion team in terms of like the the course of the entire season that he was going to be a Hall of Famer, like I would have said, yeah, I, that that's kind of what I'm expecting or not, you know, he, he he's a 22-year-old. So he he's kind of had I wouldn't I don't want to say a disappointing career, but it's you you thought at that point he was going to be like a much bigger figure throughout this decade than he really has been. I, I know some people are asking what cuz there's not a lot of details about the single car accident. What does that mean? It is possible to get into a single car accident. I can tell you from personal experience. <laughs> I've known Mark for like eight and a half years. I've been in a car with him behind the wheel once. And it was a drive from NFL Network uh, to a local tavern that was about a mile away. And that's the only time I've ever seen Mark. Uh, twice, because I once dropped you off to pick your car up about <laughs> two and a half blocks from here. How, how did that's you right. do? Um, I thought he hit a curb, maybe. No, I did not. In front I, of the no, garage. No, that's not accurate. It he was drove a me to the airport, airport once and did just fine. Except well, we did, you we did get lost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's. I, I think it shows a level of, of self-confidence, actually, how you own this. Most people, if you're not a good driver or whatever, really, you're trying to hide behind that, but you know who you are. Oh, you're it's, yeah, it's, and at this point, it's not going to get any better, so. And yeah, like <laughs> a ability to recognize one's limits. You right. don't even try to drive. You're like, it's not my thing. I don't do it. It is a crystal clear limit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Greg mentioned Jared Valdir. The Patriots will sign the veteran offensive t- tackle. Pretty nice money. One-year deal up to $6.5 million. What uh, does that mean? It's probably like a million and a half base salary. Better be for this guy. Um, <laughs> anyway. Ouch. <laughs> I'm just saying these up to. It's like, okay, if he starts 16 games, I, that's probably his up to. And But there's no chance he, or there shouldn't be much of a chance he is. Well, that, that's why I, I brought this up. He turns 32. He's a journeyman lineman. Uh, the Patriots said, let's get him in here. Uh, what's your P scale on the Pats offensive line right now in front of a soon-to-be 42-year-old quarterback? Oh, very low. I think it's the greatest, the best offensive line in Patriots history is returning four of five starters. They, they do have to replace their left tackle, but they're replacing him with the first-round pick, who's coming off a major injury, but their first-round pick from a year ago, and they drafted another guy in the third round. I do think Valdir makes sense because it's, it's incredibly thin, uh, after that, they have like no veterans. Uh, if it's he, thin it's, and also a it's completely one, untested, unknown uh, quantity at left tackle. Yeah, that, hashtag it, Dante Scarnecchia. Yeah, conversation that's, it's over, a big baby. concern, oh, but oh, you have a yeah. first and a third round pick there. They, you know, the third round pick, it, is Yanni Kajust. Is that the? Is he related to the other Kajust from the Browns? Mm, the David Juice. David. Kajust. They also have someone named Tyree St. Louis. I like people whose last names. Uh, double is city names. Mm. It's not often you Always find fun. Always fun. Uh, moving on. Uh, we haven't touched on this. I'm just curious everyone's thoughts on it. Le'Veon Bell, of course, sat out all of the last season uh, with the Steelers over contract dispute mm. uh, and then signed a huge deal in free agency with the Jets. 
uh, but has opted not to take part in the voluntary workouts uh, with the Jets. Instead, training uh, with his own people doing his thing. He's gotten criticized, um, I guess, on social media for it and probably on shows like uh, First Take. Uh, But he wrote on social media on Monday, when it's time to play football, I got to stick to the formula that I know works for me to be the best player I can be. I'm not just trying to win football games. I want a ring. Uh, Wes, would this annoy you? It doesn't annoy Adam Gase, he says. Would it annoy you if you were the head coach? Uh, I'd be slightly annoyed because of the deal he signed, and you want him to come in and set an example. Um, I would look at this slightly different from the Jaguars, where I've ripped on Jalen Ramsey because they have a leadership vacuum there, and he's supposed to be the best player on the team. I'd like to see him set an example. Left Bell, I think this will probably be a non-issue by September. It feel like the, uh, it's a they're not voluntary in the sense that if you don't show up, the media around it turns it into something where then it becomes a social media thing where Lev Bell has to deal with it and everyone else does. The, this does feel a little different to me in the one sense that unless he was going to do the most extra thing ever, which what I would totally applaud is sit out the entire season for more money from the Jets, <laughs> is like why not get in there with your teammates and make a good first impression? Would it kill you that much? How long are these OTs? Go up there for a couple days and not and just don't make this a story. But mm. he may be thinking his training regiment may have him thinking completely different. I don't know what he's doing. I'm not worried. I give him the benefit of the doubt. He's a multiple-time All-Pro. He has a system. As a Jets but fan, it doesn't I don't bug care. You. I, I don't think I it's do anything care to care about, but it, yeah. then it's annoying to me that it's a story because every person that doesn't show up to these things, it becomes a yeah. story. So leave it alone then. People got to realize Le'Veon Bell is one of the best running backs of the last 20 years. It's like the lack of respect for him. Just when you talk, like people think he's over the hill. He's 27 years old. Give me a break. He'll be fine. Last football game was that Jaguars playoff loss. Ooh. Got some breaking news. Devin and Yadni Caduced. Not only are they not related, Ooh. but Yadni said, everybody keeps asking me if we were related, but I don't even know who he is. Whoa. <laughs> Little heat. Little heat. And if you look at the, like ski, the skin the skin tone, nobody should have been asking him um, if they were related. Oh, that's not always necessarily an indicator. Let's, that's true. Let's not jump to conclusions there, Greg. That's fair, but it's a pretty dramatic difference. <laughs> I mean, but the, it doesn't matter how much of a difference I'm it saying is. There I, could be an adoption. There could be. It makes know. sense that we ask the question. Right, right. But in person, I don't know. I also had no idea what Yadni Kajust looked like. Right, that's so, what I yeah, mean. Yeah. I'm saying if you're in person. Fair. Come on. And I, I, let me just say that although the bar has not been raised in, in terms of level of importance to the NFL world, I do believe you're breaking news uh, – um, in breaks here are getting more entertaining. And okay. that's the most important thing. Okay. Yeah. There was a while there where they were just completely superfluous. And now there's a now there's actually stuff to talk about off them, so bravo. Thanks. Thanks. It means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's happening in the news. All right. Chris Wessling wrote a banger. Oh my goodness. He wrote a banger. Uh it is called the NFL's top ten offenses. What does the J stand for in Christoph J. Wessling? I don't know. I thought in in the rundown I, I put Christoph J. Wessling's top offense rankings. I couldn't remember what your middle name was, so I just mm. guessed J. But am I wrong? It's Robert. Christoph R. Wessling. Okay. Well, we like to say Christopher R. Wessling. <laughs> Christoph's not bad. That's a French. That's the French uh, pronunciation. Um. So you wrote a banger. This is one of your um, pieces you do every year, and uh, uh, as always, great work. Clearly a man that put in the effort 
and did the work, did the research, and you broke it down by you know positions, quarterback room, the backfield, receiving core, offensive line, uh, and giving out letter grades and nice rundowns. And at the top of the list, you have New Orleans Saints. And I, let me say that I am a little bit surprised because you've been uh, beating the drum a little bit about your – and you wrote about this in the piece um, – you were a little worried about Drew Brees, how he performed down the stretch. Um, and now this is about spinning forward. I guess you're not too concerned, ultimately, that Brees is not a guy in decline at age 40. Well, this is much less about the Saints and much more about the fact that everyone has questions. Hmm. Every team has questions, and maybe the Colts have fewer questions, but I, you know. But that's I, a big question around that offense. Sure. I, I my guess is that Drew Brees was hiding an injury for six weeks, and it's not really that he's fallen off a cliff. We don't know the answer to that, but on all of these hmm. – so every team has questions, and every fan base has come at me this week saying, well, this is the best-case scenario for our team. They should be in the top ten. Well, I did that for 32 teams. You did that for one, <laughs> first of all. I looked <laughs> at the best-case scenarios for every team and had those debates already with myself. All these teams have questions. The Saints' question to me is – I have to I have to come up with some conclusion, and my conclusion is Drew Brees pro- probably played through an injury and is not, in fact, a terrible quarterback right now. Mm. You know, you also had some moments there uh, in the Eagles game and the Rams game. I don't know. Terrible seems strong. I do think it's natural to expect him, his arm, which this has been a question for five years, whether his arm is falling off and he always has great numbers throwing the ball down the field. Uh, but I think it's like Tom Brady, like we should be expecting Tom Brady and Drew Brees to fall off. It's outrageous that they haven't that much. And Brady has, I mean, that was the worst offensive season he's had and that the Patriots offense has, has had in many, in more than a decade. Name another offense with three MVP candidates. I mean, that's why they're number one on this list. They've got Kamara, they got Michael Thomas and they got Drew Brees. The Chiefs used to be on yeah, the Yeah, it could list, have been the Chiefs. I think, yeah, I think when you th- – in the coaching staff and the system to me is like almost as important – not as important as the players, but the, the track record that they have. They're the team – you know, we talked about like writing teams in pencil for the playoffs. They're the team you can just write in, in pen as a top five or six offense. Like there's almost – there's so little chance that they're just going to fall off a cliff. Mark Ingram to Latavius Murray. To you is that a – That's a sim- downgrade. A significant My dog, one? Mark with a C. <laughs> um, I, I would call it fairly significant, but I also think that Jared Cook is a major upgrade over who played tight end for them last year. So they sort of balance out in my mind. Uh, let's move on. Number two on the list, you got the Colts. Not a surprise. Wes is a big fan of this Colts team and, and where they're headed. Um, Greg, do you have any reservations about this indie team, or is it let it rip and see how they score? You know, after – no, I, I don't. I was a little surprised they got up to number two, but then I, I see what Wes's point, that there's that there were very few teams that were just – that you couldn't make the case. So, to me, they would be in the next – they would be one of the next five or six teams, and I wouldn't have argued. And after going through the rosters, I, I, I agree with Wes. I showed a little too much disrespect earlier in the week on this YouTube hit that we did. People should check out. Worst the first. Is that live? I don't know. Erica? Not yet, but it will be by Friday. Just like, just go onto YouTube every twenty-five minutes or so <laughs> until then, and, and write in worst, worst to first. Uh, and and you thought I didn't show enough respect to not just kind of put the. And you're right; their roster has almost no holes in it, top to bottom. After doing the projected starters, 
uh, exercise on them. They should be absolutely the favorite in the AFC South. And it's because the offensive line to start is maybe the strength of the team, which is a shocking thing to say about the Colts. Um, I, I can't wait to see what when Chris Ballard, he's, he focused on the offensive line. What's he's your favorite done type a lot of frog? On defense. And now it's like, what? When, wait till he uses a draft or two to hit specifically offensive skill position players. But they did grab Paris Campbell. Do you need him to be a home run out of the gate? to maintain, at the, looking at their wide receiver. That's grade. the only spot I had questions because so, I know we trust um, uh, the GM's judgment here, but Devin Funches was never a breakout guy. You're kind of assuming he's going to take the next step in Indy here. So they were a top five offense in weighted DVR. Um, and now you add Devin Funches, who playing with a more accurate quarterback, I think that that is a good fit just because they needed a size physical wide receiver in Indy. I think that's a good fit. Paris Campbell, I think, is a wild card. And then you also have Deion Kane, who they absolutely loved last year, and I think is one of the reasons why they let Ryan Grant go, why Dontrell Inman hasn't re-signed, because they like Deion Kane coming off that ACL injury. I, I think this th- this offense is loaded. I think Jack Doyle coming off the hip surgery is crucial for them. You know, like they're counting on him or they would love to count on him. He's going to play more snaps than Eric Ebron if he's healthy, and he's always been a big asset. But he wasn't quite the same last year, and he's coming off a big surgery. So I think for them that's a big question. But the line and Frank Reich makes – maybe it's a limited sample size, but at this point, like, Reich is right there with me with any offensive play caller in the league. Well, and we'll get to it, but Frank Reich is, has his name all over this, this, this top ten list. Number three, the Philadelphia Eagles. Bang. Where he was the former off- offensive mm. coordinator. Uh, you have them at three. You know, this one jumped out at me, and I, I would, would not question Wes, uh, <laughs> but you have them ahead of the Falcons at four and the Rams at five, uh, and then the Chiefs that fall out of the top five. You have them at six right now. Why are you so bullish on the Eagles being a truly elite offense in 2019? Well, the number one takeaway from this exercise this year as opposed to other years is that out of the top 15 offenses in DVOA last year, the Colts, Falcons, and Eagles look to me like the only ones that can be expected to be improved. Everyone else lost too much and didn't gain enough. Everyone else has major questions. The Eagles revamped their backfield, revamped their wide receiver core, added to their offensive line, get Carson Wentz back, presumably healthy. To me, they're absolutely loaded on offense. Wentz is kind of the – Wentz playing more consistently to me is the key to all of that because you're right. I think Dallas Goddard is kind of a sleeping giant there. If he was on another team, he might be headed to a Pro Bowl. They may have two Pro Bowl quality type tight ends along with adding D-Jax and, and some draft picks. I, I love also that, you know, two years ago when they won the Super Bowl, they had a stocked backfield with different type of runners and they have it again. I liked, for me, I liked Josh Adams last year and you have added a guy in essentially Jordan Howard who is a, he can do a lot for you and Miles Sanders, they love. I mean, they, they that, may not even make the team Josh Adams at this point. I mean, he'll be oh, battling yeah. for it, him and Smallwood. and, and Coming off that. major surgery too. But San, a lot of people thought Sanders was the best running back in this class. Mm. So for the record, Dan, totally just flaming your <laughs> Eagles pick. Uh, but the rest of us love you, Wes. Well, I don't really care about the no. numbers besides these I'm teams kidding. anyway. <laughs> like, well, I didn't really flame him either, but it's fine. Um, so yeah, the Falcons at four. That one kind of makes sense. And, uh, and uh, I guess, Wes, you've said that you feel that the outgoing offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, was scapegoated a little bit um, in Atlanta. Well, in comes Dirk Cutter to take over that old job again. And maybe there's, you know, there's a lot of talent there, obviously. This, 
to me, this looks like the best wide receiver core in the NFL with mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley scoring 10 wow. touchdowns as a rookie, and then you expect him to get better. Mohamed Sanu is a really good number two, and they have the luxury of using him as a three this year. Julio Jones obviously is great. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Austin Hooper had a, a kind of a breakout year at tight end. I think if you can protect Matt Ryan, this is a great – Well, they added a ton of offensive linemen, so everyone – so then you're just like – you know, or people in Atlanta are certainly thinking, okay, well, that's solved. But it's like it's not that that easy. Of course. You know what I mean? Rookie linemen usually struggle. We we fall into this, and I'm guilty of it too, of just like, okay, let's slot in that second-round guard. He's going to help out and have – you know, more times than not, he he doesn't help out. So that's why I was – if I was going to say I was surprised about anything on this list, it was that the Rams and the Chiefs – uh, were as low as they were. They're the next two, five, and six. Chiefs didn't even make the first tier. I would definitely put them uh, ahead of the Falcons. I think I would put them two and three on my list because I think continuity, consistency, coaching, they have those. And they and the Chiefs specifically have Patrick Mahomes. And to me, that that's an edge where I would put them right there, maybe, maybe at the top, one and two. If I was ranking quarterbacks, sure. But I've made my feelings on Tyreek Hill's football ability known on this yeah. podcast. He is the best, most important skill position player in the NFL, and I'm not going to change were my great, opinion on that. They were a great offense with Alex Smith, and that had Tyreek Hill. So right. I guess we'll kind of see, you know, we'll see. To what me, Tyreek Hill was the MVP, like, on that team the last two years. Stay tuned for the end of the podcast to find out if Wes changes his opinion on Tyreek Hill. <laughs> <laughs> How about if he's the number one most important skill player, Todd Gurley has got to be in that conversation behind him. Absolutely. If Todd Gurley, uh, if we turn back the clock a year ago and there was no such thing as arthritic knee condition potentially and the talk about two running back sets and all this stuff, where would the Rams be on this list if Todd Gurley had no question marks? If Todd Gurley had no question marks, Cooper Cup wasn't coming off an ACL, and Jared Goff wasn't in an extended slump for the last two months of the season, they'd be in the top two or three. But, Maybe number one. But Gurley that's specifically. a lot of ifs. Gurley right, that's why they're big... not top three, because they have too many questions. But how all big... those ifs would have put them where they were at the midseason of last year when they were the premier offense. That That's a lot to, to overcome coming out of this offseason. Yeah, Cup, I mean, at this point, point guys coming off ACLs. I know you always say that, but it's, it's not a, true. It's a concern. They don't always return as the same player. Goff is the bigger concern for me, really, of all three of those, because with Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson and their offensive line and Sean McVay and whatever and Gurley, of course, it's not like he's not there. I'm not that worried about their running game. Uh, but Goff, whether he's closer to the middle of the NFL in terms of starting quarterbacks or what he showed in the first five weeks last year, like, that to me is the number. Like that's right. a bigger question to me. Was that just a hot streak? Yeah. Or, or I think that's I don't fair. Know. I think it's fair. He's still a really young starting quarterback. I do. I think age is more important than we give it. That like the fact that him and Baker Mayfield are essentially the same. Like I do give Goff a little bit of a leeway there that he's so young, even though he's played a lot. Yeah. Um, in the rest of the top ten, Mark, there's one team I know is jumping out to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Let it rip. <laughs> <laughs> the Browns at number seven. I mean, I I would say I've been reading Chargers. <laughs> the Wesleyan lists for you know years and years, and brag. well, it's just not hard. It's much hard, much harder to write than to read them. But the the fact that the Browns are number seven in literally anything on any of these lists ever to me, I'm not shocked by it. By based on what they have, I do wonder where you would have put them coming out of last year in terms of one through thirty two ballpark. Pre-OBJ, pre, I guess, Kareem Hunt later part of the year, they were still an interesting, productive offense, but middle of the pack? I actually feel like this number seven is conservative. I do, too. 
Um, I, I see them as easily top five potential. And I think coming out of last year, they were a top 10 offense and weighted DVOA, which weighs the end of the season much more than the beginning of the season. It's more reflective of how, how they were playing at the end of the year. And I think they already were a top 10 offense. Then you add Odell Beckham. My concern, though, is is the offensive line. I, they did a nice job, obviously, down the stretch with coaching patches. You're still relying, in theory, on Greg Robinson to play left tackle for 16 games. Chris Hubbard's no standout no. on the right side. So when your tackles are potential weak spots and left tackles, definitely, that's a concern. I just think it's a hard ask uh, for the coaching staff to get everyone on the same page right away, just because it's a lot of new pieces. But I think that'll be kind of balanced off by Baker Mayfield just getting better. I mean, he was a rookie last year. He should. This is when they should take the biggest leap of his career. The Packers cracked the top ten. I I can almost guarantee, in West in the five or so years you've been doing the, this on the site, that this is the lowest they've been because Aaron Rodgers' offense is always get the benefit of the doubt that they're going to soar. But now there's a little more doubt, even with the coaching regime change. Uh, but this makes sense. Respect Aaron Rodgers. Put him in the top 10. I can't imagine doing this list in future years and not having the Packers in the top 10 just because they have Aaron Rodgers. As long as they have him, they're going to get respect from me. That's true. Now, if you think about it, Wes, now we look now we scroll down at the end of this uh, assignment, offenses knocking on the door. And you think about it, what does it mean really just to throw a team on there? What is it, what, you know, how does it affect you personally or listeners or people you consider friends? Would it have really, really <laughs> hurt? Would it have really, like, bothered you just to throw the Jets on there solely for me? Like as like a Dan, thanks for being a good friend. Getting down to brass tacks here. Uh, you're you're a groomsman. I'm I'm just I'm gonna throw them on the knocking on the door just because I like you. Well, that would have been so hard. That's a fair question, and I I appreciate you asking that. But for honesty's sake, they were not like the final cut. Hmm. I mean, you have a Tennessee Titans. Their their quarterbacks <laughs> throwing 18 touchdowns in the last 23 games. Uh, you know, they're third on I, the second. I mean, the if list. there's one fan base Please. that that. That Police. come and I and I don't even disagree because I think they have to fall off at some point. But the Patriots, for uh, all the struggles that they had, ended. You talked about weighted DVOA for offense. I mean, they ended up top four in the league last year. They were a top five offense overall. They've they've been a top five offense, I think, for ten straight years. So even though going into the season, the roster's got some issues. It's good on the line. It's pretty good in the backfield. I think Brady's still an asset. It, it's a type of team that maybe not. September, but I kind of expect them to be a top 10 offense in the long run. It's, you know what I mean? Okay. I mean, I, I get it. Nobody, everybody thinks the Patriot can just keep losing guys and getting older and they'll never suffer any consequences. I know that's the feeling everybody has. I don't, I don't have that. I think I've said the opposite. I think, I think the receiving core is atrocious. I think for them falling off to eighth or nine offense is kind of dramatic and changes the way that they, they've been. If they don't have Josh Gordon, you're right. The wideouts are, are pretty rough. And their quarterback is another year older and already yeah, declined last year. Yeah, he did. Dan likes that at least. It's happening. Um, good stuff, Wes. Great piece. Thank you. Um, NFL.com slash Wesling. I just thought, you know, would have been nice. Um, <laughs> all right. It is now time. Uh, one of our favorite people um, from the Around the NFL podcast, long, rich history, uh, a former colleague of ours, uh, a man who – um, has one of the more popular enduring segments on this show, or Are You Kidding Me?, where he, he grinds, you know, what's grinding his gears? Well, that's not what today is going to be about. Today is about a piece he wrote, a long form, about the rise, 
the curious rise and rapid decline of the AAF. It's a great piece. Getting a lot of good uh, buzz about it. So let's talk to him. Connor, or welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. Hello, this is Connor. <laughs> hey, Connor. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Whoa! Am I just on? Yeah, you're it. Uh, well, I mean, I think so. No, Is that not... how you like? Do you answer robocalls that way? <laughs> no. So you you thought it was probably the NFL calling? I no. I well, actually, that I called somebody else from a Culver City number for a story like two, uh, two days ago, and so uh. I didn't. I didn't know if the when whenever you guys give me mm. a time, I'm always like, is it Eastern mm. or not? And so you know, mm. I just kind of roll with it. <laughs> I, I'm more excited about uh, what Culver City number you were calling. Finally mm. doing that um, Amber Theo Harris uh, profile, maybe. <laughs> uh, I yeah, all, all I can say is watch out, guys. You know, oh. look, look out. Yeah. Uh, sounds Trump, like a deep dive. Mm. Which wouldn't surprise me, Connor. And, yes, welcome to the show. Good to have you back. Because, you, you know, there's a term in the industry about owning a story. Connor is owning this AAF story, and it's a good one to own, and it's a great piece. If you go um, look at, look it up, it's in Sports Illustrated. It's online, um, the rise and fall of the AAF. What is the actual headline? I, I should have that. It's a bad job by me. The spectacular, uh, the curious rise and spectacular crash of the Alliance of American Football. Love it. Um, Feels and, like a book title. And you do a great job, Connor, mm. uh, giving the, the story behind it. Um, what would you say – what is, like, the overall thesis at the end of, when you have to kind of um, put a bow on it, what this story is ultimately about? Uh, you know, it's a, it's about a bunch of people who, like, who love football, um, you know, football players, uh, staffers, ticket salespeople um, that sort of got sucked into this pipe dream, um, uh, you know, by this guy who promised them that they had three, three years' worth of funding and uh, – promised them that they would have jobs, and then all of a sudden, uh, eight weeks into their inaugural season, uh, you know, the league just shuts down. And, you know, from beginning to end, there were just so many pitfalls from their initial funder is uh, is now uh, about to be on trial for bank fraud um, mm. and may have, like, toppled the cryptocurrency industry. And then, um, you know, there's uh, their second funder, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, the hardcore business guy who didn't share their vision and so obviously when profits started running out or you know the profit margin was thin um he just decided to shut the league down so it was it was crazy i mean for something that only lasted eight weeks it it really was like a heavy thing for a lot of people yeah because i think it like what was what was the excitement level just from from afar and reading your stuff and and talking to a few people i think like it's underrated what an exciting opportunity this was for so many people, not just the players, of course, but the coaches and the front office and the people behind the scene who saw this kind of as, as like another way into professional football if they weren't in it currently. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at it from the outside, like if you got the same sales pitch that all these people got, you would be excited, right? Because not only, you know, you have guaranteed three year contracts. So that's, that's like great. I mean, you don't get that in any other job. And then, you know, we have this technology. We have, you know, tech people from Yahoo and Tesla and Lockheed Martin, and we're going to become um, so tech savvy that the NFL is going to want to partner with us. And so you're sitting there thinking like, oh, this is a good idea. Like, why aren't other people doing this? And you feel like you're on the ground floor of something, which is a lot with a lot of people felt like, you know, that this was going to be the next 
you know, Apple or Facebook or this next big startup that they were going to be a part of. I thought you blended the, I guess, sort of the, the tension between the tech people in the building for each of these teams and the football people in a really in a really um, interesting way in this story where there were grumblings at times where the actual play caller was get, being paid less than one of their sort of high-octane think tank uh, tech guys. But I would read this for Connor or the writer because knowing we all know Connor from our days of being, uh, he's always been remote, on sort of our chat client with him for hours, you get the real Connor. And a lot of it comes out in this. I love little tiny nuggets. I'll give you a couple. One where the team communications app warned a player during this whole meltdown about having to pull away expensive bottles of Cholula hot sauce out of the dining era area. You dig into um, a Memphis Express uh, part of the article by hitting on, it's so Don Delilo to me, who I know you love, like hitting on their hotel room, the Sonesta ES suites on Old Poplar Pike Road, and you dig into what happens at Sonesta for like paragraph, graph after graph, and it's just a fascinating read. But it, interwoven with all of this, and also Charlie Ebersol using the, a quote from Ge- Kevin Garnett, you're waiting for this great quote, and the quote is, anything is possible. I'm not sure Kevin Garnett came up with that, but <laughs> everything throughout this thing, I do honestly feel like this could be stretched into a larger we're going to need an AAF book, and Ooh. we found the guy Connor's to write the guy it. It's to Connor it. the guy. You, you've sort of you've laid the groundwork for it, I think. Here, how about that, Connor? <laughs> so we actually came out with um, uh, a part two today, and I'll give you like uh, sort of like a cliff notes to it. One of my favorite stories that we found out for uh, the second part of this was during their quarterback draft. They had a, an initial draft, right, where all the teams got the chance to. Um, select the quarterbacks live on CBS Sports Network. And so Marshawn Lynch shows up to support um, his cousin, Josh Johnson, who ends up getting taken number one overall. The fleet. So Charlie (laughs) Ebersol approaches him and says, "Uh, Marshawn, would you do an interview uh, for the Alliance to help us get everything off the ground? And Marshawn says, yeah, sure, for (laughs) $5,000. So he writes him a check for $5,000 and hands it to him. And Marshawn says, no, in quarters. And then, so in the, owner of the, Alliance, the owner of the Alliance of American Football literally Don't goes do it. to the front desk of the hotel and gets 20,000 quarters delivered to Marshawn Lynch's hotel room. He does like a two-minute interview that I, employees that I talked to said they never even saw. And so <laughs> there it goes, like down into like the annals of history. I know. Very kind of funny. Wow. I know we all love Marshawn Lynch, but that sounds like a massive move. Like what, what is he doing? Well, he loves Papa Shot. So now he's just like <laughs> he's Rolling. just like got the quarters for the next mm. two years. I look forward to seeing Connor on the um, the Netflix Firefest version of this whole th- whole mm. thing. There's yep. a lot. To, there's a lot. There are a lot of potential revenue streams. I know we don't want to make light of all these people that lost their jobs, but this could be a major financial boon for Connor. <laughs> Connor, two things. First of all, Cholula very expensive. Uh, there's always Cholula in the house at the Hans's house. And it goes quickly, and you add it up over the years, so I kind of get it. But the Reggie Fowler, this character that preceded uh, Dundon, um, to me when I read the piece, and may, I'm sure this is oversimplifying it, but isn't his uh, issues with the law, and he got, ended up getting charged with bank fraud, he's in, deep, he's in deep doo-doo, isn't that essentially the turning point for this story when it went from something with promise to something that was never going to make it? Yeah, I mean, this was sort of a pivot point where, you know, some people that I talked to were like, this is where they should have just said, you know what, let's 
stop trying to beat the XFL to the punch. Let's pause this and let's take another year to get the funding part of this right. But instead, that's Firefest. Yeah. And, and instead, it was just like, oh, no, I mean, let's just get another uh, investor because we already bought all the stuff. We did all the stadium deals. So let's just let's just barrel ahead with this. And so I think that there was an element there of, you know, we just have to keep going. We just have to keep pushing through. And, you know, one of the things that was interesting to me was half the people there are kind of used to this stuff. Like, you know, I don't know exactly how um, aligned those experiences are, but in Silicon Valley, that's kind of the deal, right? A lot of these tech startups are fly by the seat of your pants. One day you have money, one day you don't, you just get used to it. And so there were a lot of people just sitting around saying, well, okay, I mean, that's fine. I mean, this is what happened at Uber. And so they're fine. And, but you know, it's so much different. I think when you bring in the football aspect of it and the football people who are used to the NFL and kind of the way that, that it's run there. And then Fowler, once his funds got tied up, Dundon stepped in. He promised the $250 million. And when this all went down, it went down in, you know, in public and it was a huge fire, fireball of disaster for this entire company. But um, Dundon caught a lot of the heat as kind of the bad guy. Is that how you read it once you kind of dug into it? Or, or was, that, was it already kind of a done deal by that point? Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of convenient to paint him as as the executioner in this. I mean, you know, I think that you could look at anybody atop that power structure and said, like, you definitely should have done this differently. I mean, you know, you should have had a better business plan. Um, You should have vetted your funders more aggressively. Um, You know, if you're initially promising to be this funder, you should know that maybe you're getting investigated for bank fraud and you're not going to be able to have access to your money. So I think there's a lot of different things that that could have been done there. You know, some people I talked to said, you know, I don't blame Dundon at all because, you know, when you get into this and you start to get a look at the books, I mean, you know, if you already threw $70 million at something and it's not working, why would you double that or triple your investment when you don't believe that there's going to be a return on it? And Dun- I thought the reporting initially when the whole thing utterly went, you know, turned on to turn on fire and just melted was that Dundon was all after the gambling technology. But your article, I put that completely to bed that that if anything, he was ambivalent or disinterested by that side of it. I thought a turning point was when he talked to TV people that said the league is going to need to keep paying us money to be on television that he, for a quite a, quite a bit of time that he thought that seemed to me like the point where he thought this is not a good investment. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what, uh, you know, was pointed to for me. I mean, obviously, you know, Tom, Charlie, Reggie, you know, none of them would talk to us for this story. But, um, you know, that, sort of be, that was sort of the sense that I got. And, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, the theory was like, oh, maybe he'll steal this technology and use it for the Carolina Hurricanes. Or maybe, you know, he'll use it as a window to, uh, to get into the NFL or to get a seat at ownership or something like mm-hmm. that. But, you know, what a lot of people told me was, you know, if, if he wanted – the technology, all you had to do is pay to keep the engineers together because it doesn't matter whether or not you have the source code or the material. It's the guys who know how to run it and operate it. And so the fact that he fired all of them along with everybody else, you know, leads everybody, leads me to believe that, you know, that that kind of wasn't high on his priority mm-hmm. list. Man, they did the XFL a favor. Not only did they point out some mistakes that you can make and then get out of the way. But I think they kind of primed the public. It was like a little teaser that the XFL can now 
take advantage of next off season with with a pretty good broadcast package. That, I mean, you'd, you'd you like know. to think the XFL learned from their first attempt that went completely <laughs> sideways right. too. But and and you wrote about this too, Connor. AAF obviously was a failure and an embarrassing one at that. But the on-field product was the one thing that people weren't really complaining about, which is the first thing that usually a startup league like this is going to get killed with. So, yeah, if the XFL is smart, they, they might be able to follow the path. Or it could be one of those things like from Final Destination or a movie like that where you wake up from the nightmare of your own demise uh, and then you're like, oh, now I have to avoid that. Or you just have the nightmare and then go headlong into it either way. Also known anyway. as every morning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's real. You know, I talked to someone who said, and I, th- I think That's... it kind of put, puts it well, is like, you know, uh, the first time, you know, they were so nervous about the football that they closed off training camps to journalists because they didn't want anybody to see it in case it was bad. And then when one employee got his first look at one of the games, uh, he told me that he cried for an hour. He was so happy that he literally <laughs> wow. was crying tears of joy for an hour because he said, I did this. Like, I helped put this together, and we did it. Because at that point, in their mind, it was all that that we were worried about was the football, and the football is good, and we have the money, and we have everything Mm. set up, and so, and we did it. And so I think that that's one of those things that's like, you know, it sticks with me because it's like, wow, I mean, at that point, these guys are thinking that they pulled it off, you know, and, mm. and really that's what everyone was worried about. Is mm. the football going to be bad? And it wasn't. Yeah, there's definitely a, a sad component to the whole story for sure. All right, the curious rise and spectacular crash of the Alliance of American Football. Check it out, SI.com. Also on newsstands and Sports Illustrated. Uh, also, Connor's on the uh, MMQB NFL podcast. He did a uh, show uh, about this story, and hopefully he's going to do a book and a Netflix special. Great job, Connor. Maybe we get an well executive done. producer cut on it uh, for introducing the idea. Otherwise, we'll have to go into lengthy litigation. (laughs) That's up to Connor. Finally, Connor, before we let you go, um, where are you at on your um, rundown of the AFI's 100 Greatest Films? A few years back, you told us that you were going to comb through the entire list and give detailed reviews. Where are we at on that project? I know you've been busy. Yeah, well, I know. I I think Mark knows this because I think he might be going to see um, something as well. I'm skipping ahead to a movie that's coming out on Thursday that I know is probably going to be number one on the list anyway in a couple of years, and that's Detective Pikachu. I don't know how <laughs> excited everybody else is about this, but I am fired up. I've had my tickets purchased for weeks, uh, so I am I'm you're, 100% ready to go. So this is you're, this isn't a bit. You have had. Are you bringing your kid? No, you Connor, have- Connor is an adult. Pokemon fan who you know grew up as one. Oh, and, a lot and, of people. Are. My kids are too. And out of the blue, this is how nice Connor is behind the scene. He, he was a beat reporter that had to, you know, do bad things to other people. I'm sure. But <laughs> behind the scenes, he sent out of nowhere a box full of his old Pokemon cards to my two boys, and our house exploded. They they think that Connor Orr is. Wow. Like, they don't even. They've never met him. They think he's the greatest human, much better than their dad. Uh, <laughs> and so Connor, good job. Also, what? Machiavelli and Connor definitely sent that knowing that this appearance was coming up, and then no, that story no, would come it was out. Ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I operate. But I'm serious. I mean, it's going to be. I, I'm so excited. I'm sure Mark's got to go too. So maybe we can do a little follow-up movie review. You know. And, Mark, and Connor also. One last plug. Also, just did like a two-hour podcast on draft day. That pile of. Sh- movie that came out like five years ago so he's obviously he's really plugged in on the the higher end of the cinema spectrum as we expect i uh i thought about mark a lot i reread his review uh his initial review of draft day 14 before we started it but do we still have that 
Yeah, let's play that at the end of the show. <laughs> no. Anybody who knows me knows I love drinking in the afternoon and watching draft day, and so to be able to get paid to do that was uh, was was pretty great. Very good, Connor. Always great to hear your voice. You're a special man. Miss you guys. Miss I'll you see too, buddy. Okay. All right. Hey, Connor. Connor yeah. Orr. What a guy. All right. Uh, that's it for today's show. Good stuff, guys. A, a reminder: Friday, uh, we have our third show of the week. Um, and uh, we're going to get into some wedding-related themes. Hopefully, uh, Colleen Wolf, Connie Fox will join us as well, uh, and we will have some Friday fun. Um, so that's it. Erica, how you doing? Are you coming to the wedding? Oh, yeah. I didn't know you were coming to the wedding until I heard the, the conversation earlier, and that is great. That you're, you would what, you're what I would call a great wild card to ha- have, whether it's a bachelor party or at a wedding, because you're going to mix things up. You're going to have fun. You're going to bring some life to the party. I'm sure that's what Wes and Lakeisha were thinking when they sent out the invite. Yeah, oh. I think so, Wes. Take oh. it away. All of that is true, <laughs> but I think that Erica is going to be hailed as a conquering hero on Tybee. It's going to be like Quetzalcoatl coming to, to Mexico. It's just going to be like a glorious stomping of Erica that's taking of ownership up. of the island. I can't wait. Is the moment wow. going to be too big for you? I don't think so. No, we'll be good. Very good. Yeah, I can't. I can't outshine you know Keisha and Wes. So I just no. Probably, that, that would, well, everyone else though. It's interesting should, that that's what you first thought might be possible. <laughs> I like that. Well, no, it couldn't confidence. be possible. So I'm just gonna go. Are you gonna hey. wear like a white dress with a long train? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to clip your wings. No, no, if no. If you can outshine people, go for it. No, no, outshine. No. I'm just excited to to be there and to be able to witness it and spend the weekend with my favorite boys. Oh yeah! Wow, a lot of good feelings uh, at the end of today's show. Have Sydney sing about that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. It, was that annoying when I sent you that file? I mean, no, it's fine. She's a good singer, isn't she? Yeah, she's good. <laughs> you have the ability to toy with it, you know, tell it like engineering-wise to make Ooh. it sound <laughs> yeah. much less attractive. To do like a reverse auto-tune? <laughs> so it's out there. terrible. <laughs> no, I would never. I'm a very good person, and I respect talent, and she can sing very well. <laughs> it's very... <laughs> Magnanimous. Through gritted teeth. All right. That's it. This is Dan Hansen signing off. For Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Let's get that draft day review at the end of today's show. No. Till Friday. Full of heart from start to finish, delivers on the great tension of the NFL draft while showing how human the entire process is. Mark Sessler, NFL.com. You're out of your mind. Yeah, I am. Haven't I proved that already? You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.